Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm happy to be with you this afternoon. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. We need to be always happy in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. We should be glad when we come into the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. As I, as I was being invited to come, I thank God for it. And while I was excited, I shot some few messages to some of our brethren, which in return evoked some uh, replies and, and the names. I would quickly want to mention it in the form of felicitations though the church might be giving you a larger volume of all the felicitations that they have received. Brother Dapo Oguntoyanbo, Brother Irkam Azum, Dafe, and Zenobu Awo, then John Musa, Sudhir and Sherin, Philip and Osaze Ito, Auntie Annie, she's almost 89 years old. And then K. Peter, Brother Subu, Pastor Benga, Brother Jide, and Pastor Rufus Ashidu. And finally, all my children uh, asked me to extend their felicitations to you. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'll be sharing with you from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4. Though I will be expounding the chapter in few points, and I will read the text a little later, but I wanted to give an introduction of the book of Acts. Some of the men of God say that actually it should have been the book, uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit rather than the Acts of the Apostles. But God is a spirit, so you don't see a spirit, but you see the human beings, the spirit influences. And therefore, I believe it's rightly still titled the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles is a very important book because that's the book that links between the Gospels and the Epistles. In fact, it is the summary of the epistles. Now, you, you very well know that Luke, Dr. Luke, a medical doctor, is the author of this book, and he is actually writing it as an orderly account. And, you know, as a doctor, they are trained to you know, um, ask questions, write down the accounts properly, then, you know, after that, to observe, which is normally, that's how they diagnose, and then finally, you know, to uh, conclude the thing, which is to prescribe. So in the like manner, he has orderly written this book. And he said that he is writing it to a Theophilus 
And the book of Acts rightly starts with, O most excellent Theophilus. So therefore it's understood that he was writing to a, a reputed or well-known Roman official who probably became an inquirer of the Lord or about uh, uh, Jesus Christ or probably would have been uh, come as a Christian. Or it could be um, written to people like you and me who love God because the word Theophilus means lover of God. Amen? So th th those of you like you and me who love God and who are called according to his uh, purposes. Now, when we read the Bible, we need to look at every passage of the Bible in the context of its writing, lest it would become a pretext and therefore there would be overemphasis or underemphasis or sometimes there could be possibility of an error. All that we read in the book of Acts is the birth of Pentecost. We should not forget that. The acts of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the Pentecost. Because in chapter 3 we see the cripple, the lame man, since he was born, you know, he was healed at the beautiful gate. Then Peter and John, when people saw that happening, and when they were amazed and excited, Peter and John grabbed that opportunity. And therefore Peter preached the second sermon. They were arrested for they were preaching you know, they were preaching that there is salvation or that there is resurrection only in the name of Jesus Christ. For that they were apprehended and they were cast into confinement for the day until next day they would, the, the uh, authorities would come together and call for a council to decide what they would do with these apostles. So the next day, you see, that uh, the Sanhedrin the supreme high council of the Jewish religion of the world or the headquarters of the Jewish community or the Jewish religion that comprise of the Sadducees, the administrative body that controlled the power of the temple affairs and people that were very rich influential and powerful followed by the Pharisees who were teachers of the law they were the common buffer between the you know the people and the and the holy book then the scribes who knew the law who bifurcated the law and also you know um, expounded the law followed by the well-known reputed and honorable elders they all got together and they all got together to uh, what to try this brethren, Peter and John, for having healed a lame man by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we must not forget there the statement that the scripture makes when you read that, that Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's very important because, you know, the book of Acts talks about the birth of Pentecost and thereafter, you know, the birth of uh, church, the, the birth of uh, uh, the Christianity that went from there and further and it continues to go until the consummation of age, until Jesus Christ comes and lifts up you and me so that we will be caught in the rapture. Uh, amen. So Peter and John filled with the Holy Spirit said to the rulers of the people, now, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it does not call, you know, for an exhibition of pride and arrogance, but it makes you more humble, wise, and gentle. 
Because when, you know, that's why when, when they preached the gospel, people were willing to listen to them because they were ordinary people and they were also humble people and they were preaching the gospel. That's what we see on the day of Pentecost. Now when the authorities warned them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, Peter and John gave a very gentle answer. Brethren, now you need to decide and think over and see whether we should do what God is telling us to do or whether we should listen to what you see. So that's why you see they are gentle but they are powerful. Amen. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are gentle and you are powerful. The question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, then our Christian life will be insipid and our Christian life will be powerless and our Christian life will be meaningless. For the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the background to this is, in Acts 3rd chapter, the eating of the crippled at the beautiful gate. We know this, this man who was lame for 40 years got healed and therefore they were brought. Now this Peter, we know, he was a very timid person. And now when he could stand and talk, that could be nothing other than the Holy Spirit. So the early Christians always followed a pattern. The pattern for them was that they need to hear the gospel. So unless you hear the gospel, you will not know who Jesus Christ is. After hearing the gospel, the people need to repent and believe. After they repented and believed, they were baptized in, the, in, in water, you know, to, as, a, as a demonstration of being dead to the world, but alive for Christ, or dead to sin, but risen to the newness of life. And then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and therefore they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the pattern they always followed, and no Christian would be called a Christian in those days, those days, unless he has gone through this process. But today, surprisingly, as the church began to spread and therefore gave birth more to, you know, denominations than rather the true Christianity, what happened, that pattern slowly and silently or gradually disappeared. So that's the pattern they followed. And therefore, the pattern was very powerful. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. Jesus said, you must do what I tell you to do. But then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, that generated the power of the Holy Spirit to go and move further. So the early Christians, while they did all that was mandatory, yet looked for opportunities to witness for Jesus Christ. So bearing in mind the further effects of the Pentecost, because the ripples of the Pentecost started on, on the day of Pentecost and it started spreading further and it is continuing now and it shall continue. With that in mind, I want to read for you uh, a few verses that are only towards the end while, as I said, I will be talking and expounding for you the whole chapter of Acts 4 so that we would be able to hear what the Holy Spirit wants you and me to hear this day. So I'm reading from the few last verses of Acts 4. Acts chapter 4, verses 23, 24, 29 to 31. And being let go, they went into their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. 
So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Gracious, loving Father, we stand in awe of you this afternoon. We give all the glory, and honor, and praise that is only due to you. And Lord, I pray, O oh God, I thank you for your anointing upon me. And I thank you for your anointing upon your people. Stir up the anointing within each and every one of us so that your words may come in all clarity, O oh Father, and that your word may find an abiding place in our hearts, O oh God. Lord, every power of darkness, every power of evil and wickedness that come against us, we renounce it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus and the fire of the Holy Spirit as edge around us. And we ask all this in Jesus Christ, our Lord's most precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, we are going from the Pentecostal effect, from the effect of Pentecost. Therefore, the title of my message is, A Prayer That Brought Another Pentecostal Effect. A Prayer That Brought Another Pentecostal Effect. So the first point that I've taken is empowered to impact. We must not forget that sentence, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Pentecost came so that, they were, that, they, that the God's people need to be empowered. So being empowered, the first one is empowered to impact. Now Jesus had told them, with the, uh, uh, that given them a, a solemn and a massive task of evangelizing the world. Therefore, we see in Mark 16, 15 to 20, if you read one verse in that, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's a massive task for insignificant people that he had chosen, ordinary people. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he says, if you look at the book of uh, Luke in 24, he says, And that repentance and remission of sin shall be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and remission. You know, you know remission means uh, forgiveness for wrongdoing upon the condition of repentance. Forgiveness for wrongdoing upon the condition of repentance. And that can be only affected by the atonement of Jesus Christ. So that means, repentance means to confess, to forsake and to turn to God. To confess, to forsake and turn to God. Have you gone through that process? Because yesterday we heard in our intercession, you know, unless you obey completely, unless you give yourself to God completely, it cannot affect much in your life. So therefore, you know, if you are confessed, then you need to forsake. And when you are forsaken, then you need to turn to God. And Jesus said, that's what I give the responsibility to go and preach. And then we see in, in, in Matthew, last 28, the last verses, he says, not just to go and make proselytes, not just to go and preach the gospel, but to make disciples and dependable disciples. The, dip- the disciples have to be depended, even as these two insignificant men that preached the gospel and that made an impact, ordinary people. So therefore, they, they were faithful disciples who were impacting. Therefore, we need to preach a gospel that need to be impacted. 
And Jesus said, Though I give you this task, though you have to go and do this, but please don't go until you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And therefore he said in Acts 1.8, When the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, on the day when Pentecost came, and they were baptized, therefore they were filled. And having been empowered by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were doing what Jesus had told them to do. Amen? So the Lord had told them that it is must for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without being filled with the Holy Spirit, they will not be empowered, and they may not be able to go any further. In Acts 2 we see, this Peter was timid. He was very timid. And when he stood before ordinary servants during the trial of Jesus, he even cursed and sweared and denied that he does not know Jesus. But that timid Peter, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he could stand on the first day and speak to the authorities with all kind of degrees, with all kind of power, with all kind of influence, and with all kind of health. He could preach the gospel with all the power that comes by the Holy Spirit, where almost you know, 2,000 people turned to Christ. Since then, their witnessing has not stopped. The ripples are continue to keep on going. And we have reached it today, as you see, and it will also continue to go. So on the way to prayer, you know, Peter sees this cripple. He says to the invalid, I cannot give what you are expecting, but I can only give you what I have. What did he have? He had the, he had the power of the risen Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit in him. And that's what I can give you. Because they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, what do you have? What do you have to give? How are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, as I said, our Christian life will be insignificant and it will be insipid and it will be powerless. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is not very difficult to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he was talking to the people, he said, you know, if, you, if, if, if your child asks his father for bread, will you give him a stone? And if he asks for an you know, egg, will you give him a scorpion? And if you ask him for his, a, a, a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you wicked people know how to give good things to your children, how much more will the for, uh, Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus said in John 7, 37, On the last day of the great feast, He stood and He said in a very loud voice, All, who are, all those who are thirsty, come unto me and drink. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that's what happened. They had drank on the day of Pentecost. And out of the bellies were flowing the rivers of living water. And you could see the ripples of the Pentecost effect. So powerful and so great that now no one could stop. The mighty Roman Empire could not stop it. The highest supreme council of the Jewish religion could not stop it. 
if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't just settle down there. Hunger and thirst for Him. Thirst, hunger and thirst for more of Him. So that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's being filled with the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Baptism is the initiation. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, that makes the difference. See, this Peter, he's no longer timid. He's no longer afraid of death. You know why? Because they have seen the risen Lord. They have seen the risen Lord. That cruel crucifixion on the, crucifixion on the cross of Calvary cannot do anything more for Jesus Christ because he has risen from the dead. And that itself is an impetus. And that itself is a witness to them. And that itself is something that makes them that death can conquer no one. That death can conquer no one. So that you see, with that, you know, they saw the risen Lord and Savior. And therefore they're not timid. They can look at the face of death and smile. They can laugh at it. Because they know death cannot hold the righteous anymore. The death cannot hold the righteous anymore. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you know, 2, 3, and 5, Brothers, when I came to you, I did not come to you with the eloquence of speech. I did not come to you with the wisdom of man. I came to you with fear and trembling, but by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, so that the, the faith of men may not rest on the wisdom of any other man, but on the power of God. So you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And my brothers and sisters, if you are not baptized, you get baptized. And if you are baptized, see that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because then only your witness can be powerful. You may be insignificant. You may, may be a housemaid in somebody's house. You may be ill-treated. You may be a wife at, housewife at home. Who, even your husband doesn't respect you. But you will have that power that can change the destiny of someone. I went to Punjab. After I went from here, I became an itinerant speaker. And I have to travel long distances. Sometimes about 48, 50 hours you travel by train. I went to a place in Punjab, in Ludhiana, with uh, uh, Operation Agape. And that's uh, one of the missions that you all support. So I, I had gone there, and they took me to your place. And before going, they said, these are rag pickers. Rag pickers. And you shall be talking to them. And then I was told that they are not uh, from, uh, they are not the natives, they are migrants from there. And I came to know that they speak Marathi, that's the language of Maharashtra where our brother Ramesh Jadho and our brother Peter Louis are ministering. I spoke a little Marathi that I know, with the strength of Konkani, we can manage with Marathi a little, because they are sister languages. And when I spoke in Marathi, they were so excited, they thought that I'll be giving a message in Marathi. I said, no, that cease, that was only the introduction. Now I'll have a translator. I can't do, go any further with that. Now there was one lady called Indira. Uh, she was a short lady like this. And this lady... The, they are rag pickers. You know, rag pickers, every morning they get up and they go around, you know, like beggars, looking for some rags to pick up, some plastic, some metal, some this thing. They pick all and put them in a bag and they come in the evening and they sort it out and they go and sell it accordingly and that's how their bread comes. That's their bread for them. This lady, the husband who married her, this fellow, 24 hours is on another spirit. Because he starts, like you start with a cup of tea. This fellow starts with that. Burgutu. Nigerians know. Burgutu. 
<laughs> so, you know, he starts with that in the morning and he drinks continuously. And this guy not only married her, he married a sister also. They got 11 children. And they're very, very poor. This lady is not educated. She cannot read and write. But this mission picked her up. She came to the Lord and then she's baptized in the Holy Spirit. They trained her. And then in the fellowship that I was there, this lady's name is Indra. And Dr. Alex Abraham just asked, how many of you in this church here have come because of the witnessing of Indira? Almost 60 to 70% of the people put up their hands. A lady who goes through a tough time in the house, not educated, has brought 60 to 70 percent of the church that are a home church, quite a big church that I was preaching is a home church. And if she can bring that, amen, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. Do you witness for Jesus Christ? Mind you, that great commission has not ceased. That responsibility is placed on you and me. If the gospel has to reach to the ends of the earth, you and I are entrusted with that responsibility. And you, are, you and I are indebted to preaching that gospel. And therefore Paul says, you know, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. And then added to that he says, the you know, gospel is the power of God and to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot do that. So arise and shine, my brothers and sisters, for the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. And the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. The second point is empowered to pray. Amen? Empowered to pray. See, prayer connects us to God. Prayer keeps us in hotline with God. Prayer is talking to God. When you pray, you talk to God. And when you read the Bible, God talks to you. You know, Jesus was praying at Gethsemane. For what? He was praying to keep in touch with the Father so that every prophecy concerning him would be fulfilled accurately and that the devil will not be able to hijack any of the purposes or the plans of God. You remember before Jesus could be arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, he told these fellows just to pray. This guy, these guys had, had had such a sumptuous meal and to top up with that good wine. And you know, they had gone to sleep. And Jesus said, couldn't you tarry with me one hour? When he was going through the difficult trial, I mean, he's praying. And from there, the destiny you know, of the human race would be decided upon what God purposed to happen in Jesus Christ. These fellows had gone to sleep. And he asked, couldn't you tally with me one hour? Now, you see, after that, this has made the difference. What made the difference? It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, they became despair. But when they saw the risen Lord, they despaired Despair turned into a great hope and it turned into a great joy. Now they could pray and then they went to the upper room, you know, before, before the Pentecost to pray for almost 10 days so that they could receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and therefore they could receive that power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they could be effective. So these fellows now by the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they also received the power and the discipline how to pray. 
So now they are men of prayer. Now we also see their spiritual life's balance. They were not doing one at the cost of the other. While they were preaching the gospel, they were also simultaneously witnessing as well as also they were not missing their prayer meeting. They are doing all together. They were not doing it one at the cost of the other. They were doing to one after the other. So everything in line with what they, are, they were supposed to do. So when it was time to pray, they were going to pray. Amen? When it was time to pray, they were going to pray. Let me tell you one thing. When the bread of life started, the founding leaders of this church, the founding pillars of this church, at that time, prayerfully decided that our church should be a praying church, our church should be a giving church, and our church should be a witnessing church. And when we declared that, you, you are seeing the result today. I do not tell you, because your eyes shall behold what you see. You are seeing, because that's what, when we plan to do, that's what God had done then. We thank God for the faithfulness of the, some of the Nigerian brothers we had at that time of, of the, to pray. And we also thank God for the faithfulness of Pastor Abraham. You know, he, I know I stayed with him twice my, um, uh, during my trip after I went from this country. I stayed with him. He, his job demands that he even goes in the night. Two o'clock, three o'clock he goes. But nevertheless, early in the morning, he and his wife, our sister, both get up together and they pray in the morning. They, he prays silently. They regularly pray. And when I was talking to him, he said, you know, he had picked up that discipline of praying even from his young days. Even from his young days, he had the discipline of prayer. From the earlier days, he started praying. That's what he said, you know. Something he said, you noticed what he said. These were all in the front. I was somewhere behind. But now I'm standing here and I'm privileged to introduce them. Amen. Amen. The first shall, the last shall be first. <laughs> Amen. The last shall be first. I'm standing on the holy ground. I won't hesitate to declare what I have to declare. The last shall be first. God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. See, David was a man after the heart of God. And you know when the prophet asked, do you have any more children? I mean, do you have any more? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one more. There's one more. So that means he doesn't remember. I was working here earlier days before I came into a full-time pastor. And I worked for a company. So one day our managing director asked the, the local sponsor. He said, how many children do you have? Let me ask my wife. And then he said, which wife are you going to ask? So, he said, ah, yeah, 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 there's one more. There's one more. And then that's how David was called. He was insignificant. Even the family did not remember him much. But God anointed him to be the second most powerful king of Israel. Amen. Who ruled and reigned for 40 years. Amen. You may be behind, nobody knows you. Even your fa family may not remember you. Even your family may not recognize you. But the Lord God of Israel, Adonai, Elohim, is His name. He will remember you Amen. when a time comes. And He shall lift you up Amen. where no man can put you down. But when He puts you down, no man can lift you up. 
That's what God can do. His faithfulness. On the twelfth, uh, on the twelfth instant, I received a WhatsApp uh, forward from one of the brethren. When prayer becomes your habit, then miracles becomes your lifestyle. When prayer becomes your habit, then miracles become your lifestyle. That's why they knew the pattern. They were not only preaching the gospel. They were also witnessing, so, and at the same time, they were also praying. So when they were going to pray, they saw the layman, and they said, let's witness to this guy. Let's see what. At the time of the evening sacrifice, they were going to the temple. And they saw this guy, they said, let's talk to him about the Lord. Today, are we praying people? Today, are you a praying people? Are you a witnessing people who demonstrate the power of God, of the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You know, if we are not doing, then nothing will happen. Whom can we blame? We have to blame ourselves. The early Christians took the great commission and the teachings of Jesus Christ so seriously. Brethren, it's good to seek help in prayer from one another. But not at the cost of neglecting yourself to be a man of prayer or a woman of prayer. And if you do that, when circumstances and situations begin to knock at your door, then don't run around like an headless chicken, you know, asking this one and that one to pray and start, you know, mailing prayer requests. Let prayer become your discipline. Let prayer become a discipline. And let me tell you one thing. When you make prayer a discipline, when you become a man and woman of prayer, and I will tell you one thing. You will write and tell me back one day that your perspective has changed because your discipline has become has changed to become powerful. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Today, will you purpose in your heart that you want to be a giving Christian and in the giving Christian, you want to be a pay, praying Christian. Your giving shall be a, your prayer. Amen. That you want to give it to him in prayer so that your life would be blessed. When you pray for others, God will meet your needs. God will meet your needs. And the third one, empowered to be united. That means they were filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore they were empowered. And they were empowered to be united. See, they were the kingdom-minded people. Now, most of the people are not kingdom-minded people. In a sense, yes, they are kingdom-minded people, but it's their own kingdom. So therefore I would call it, they are, we are denominational-minded people rather than being kingdom-minded people. No, they got into trouble for doing the right thing. Can you imagine somebody getting into trouble for doing the right thing? It sounds, it's, it's a paradox. I mean, you do, you do the good thing and then you are getting into trouble. It sounds funny, isn't it? But that's the kind of world we are living in. See, when you talk about God in general, you don't have problem anywhere in this world. But the moment you take the name of Jesus, you got into trouble already. That's the kind of thing. Yeah. See, in Mark 9, you see, Jesus casted out that legion in 2,000 pigs. And when that happens, this man, this uncontrollable man, no one could harness him. No one could control him. But when Jesus came, he saw that he had a legion. A legion could be somewhere from 3,000 to 6,000. 
and that he took and casted in, I mean, put into 2,000 pigs. And when the pigs ran around, ran down the cliff and got drowned, the people came. Instead of getting excited and appreciate and to know more about Jesus Christ and get more people to pray and ask him and ask him to stay some more, they said, please get out of our country. Please get out of our region. You go. Because many people are very happy to have pigs as their security rather than Jesus Christ for the eternal life. That's the kind of people we have. So it's very obvious that people can get into trouble. In India, when, when, when people preach the gospel and people get healed and people get delivered, you know, the man who gets healed and delivered, yes, there is an excitement with some people here and there. But other people would come and then get catch hold of that ministry, uh, the, sorry, that uh, minister or that missionary, and they will beat him up just for preaching the gospel. In the name of Jesus, they healed a cripple since birth. For this, the common people rejoiced. For them, the power of God has come in their midst. They knew that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is risen and is alive. But for the religious people, if it's going to go on like this, then our community will dwindle and thereafter our religious institution, our religious ritualistic business would become bankrupt. So they got into trouble. If this had happened now, you know what it would be viewed as? Not as something that's been happening, you know, for the extension of God's kingdom or for the Great Commission to move further. But rather, it would be termed as a denominational problem. Oh, that denomination, you know, those Pentecostals, they prayed for that, the guy. That guy got healed and we got into trouble. Once I was sitting in the DC office, district commissioner's office, for some, um, some trouble, trouble, some missionaries were beaten or something like that. And then when we were sitting, the DC is sitting and talking to them. One of the denominational priests saying, see, you know, they came and set fire into our church door. You know, they have done that. And you know, we have not converted anybody. You look into all the records, there's no conversion. We have not converted anybody. I thought to myself, if you're not preaching the gospel and people's lives are not converted and not changed, then what are we doing? Just wearing the frock. Just wearing the frock for no good. So they went to their people to report about the warning of the religious authority because they not only politely confronted them when they said not to speak in the name of Jesus Christ, then they said, you know, you judge for yourself to see whether it's right for us to preach, to, to do what God told us to do or what you told us to do. But they know the problem did not cease there because they were threatened and they were commanded no longer to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. So they know the problem has not ceased. In fact, the problem is going to be heavier further. So they went to their own people to report. They went to their own crowd to go and tell them because they probably must have remembered the teachings of Jesus where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them all. When God's people come together, God's presence is there. They must have remembered in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding may rule and reign in your hearts in Christ Jesus. I remember the words of Jesus. The early church believed in the power of prayer. They believed in it. Prayer was the undergirding factor. Prayer was something that really mobilized them, equipped them, and challenged them, and strengthened them. They knew that Jesus had taught them to ask 
and they shall receive. Seek and they shall find, and knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. And they also know that that asking, seeking, and knocking is not a one-time asking, knocking, and seeking, because the Greek imperative suggests that it is not one time, but it is something that you keep on asking till you receive, you keep on knocking till it is open to you, or you keep on seeking till you find. So therefore we see in the text that I read, they prayed until they got the answer. They prayed till they got the answer. You pray and you go home, nothing happened. But you keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking until the door has opened to you. And if you do it faithfully and sincerely, we have the Lord who will definitely open the door for you. Who will definitely answer your prayer and who will definitely give it to you what he's asking. You must have remembered. Jesus said that men are to pray and not to paint, according to Luke, Luke 18. Men are to pray and not to faint. So they remembered that the power comes only by prayer. And there, the answer is only in prayer. And the answer is, you see, the receiving is only in the asking. If you don't ask, you don't receive. Prayer was the priority. Seeing God's help, strength, and protection in prayer was their priority. And that's the priority. They did not want to compromise. They want to go and they wanted to pray. Then the fourth one, empowered to pray in the will of God. Not just praying, but praying in the will of God. We must learn. And it's a very tough discipline. And it's also a very, what you call, tedious pursuit, which you need to catch hold of. And when you catch, when you catch hold of that, then you will not regret. Then the things will be easy and simple and quick for you to pray in the will of God. See, Lord, they prayed, uh, their prayer was like this uh, when they were praying in the will of God. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people's plot vain things? The king's of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Do they need to remind God that you are the creator of heaven and earth, the sea and all that is therein. God knows that he is the creator. God knows that he created the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is therein. But why are they praying like that? You know, it's praying in the will of God that they are acknowledging that you are the creator God. Everything that exists, that which our naked eyes can see, and everything that exists, which our naked eyes cannot see, but yet they do exist, is created by Him. And they are acknowledging that you are the creator of all things. And therefore, you are aware of anything and everything that is happening. Nothing can be hidden from God. And nothing happens without the knowledge of God. Then the, by the prayer, they are acknowledging that you are God. There is none beside you. There is none like unto you. That means they are trying to say, God, we are in a safer hand. God, you are our God. God, you are our Father. 
God, you are our everything and you are our all. That's what the prayer, they are praying in accordance with the will of God. And also they are saying, without, they are saying by that prayer, without an iota of doubt, we know all these things what they have done. The rulers conspiring together and the kings coming together and the Gentiles coming together, the people coming together to, and joining together the hands in crucifying your holy servant Jesus. They're saying all this you know because they're quoting Psalm 2. This you have said thousands of years ago. Almost a thousand years ago you have said this Lord. That means what you determined what your wise counselor determined, what you have planned, what your purpose, and what you prophesied to your people in advance has happened exactly. So they are telling God, God, we know this. You are God. You are on the throne. Any, when anything happens in your life, it worries us, it troubles us. Yes, we are human beings. That's a part of our emotion that we go through. But we must know and we must remember that God is on the throne and He's still on the throne and forever and ever He shall be on the throne. And He is God. So by the prayer, they're acknowledging that you are God. And all this, what we are talking about, has happened even as you have told. So God is in control. And he can help them to do what he called them to do. So therefore, they're just asking God, give us the boldness. Give us the boldness. See, they know the will of God is to preach the gospel. While the religious people are telling, don't preach the gospel. You cannot preach the gospel anymore. Please don't do that. That's what they are saying. But they know it's the will of God that they need to preach the gospel. They know that persecution is inevitable that you cannot avoid it Jesus said in this world you'll have many tribulations but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world when you're having tribulations how can you be of good cheer but why Jesus is saying be of good cheer for I have overcome the world when, when they were crucifying Jesus he looked helpless it looked helpless for the people how sad what has transpired no help can, can, can someone come forward to do something that must be purposed in the hearts of the people who saw him but he said be of good cheer for I have overcome the world because he rose from the dead and they saw him with their naked eyes they know that the Lord is risen amen be of good cheer so he's warned them in advance in this world you have many tribulations but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world so they know that. They know we must preach the gospel. That's your command. We have to do it. What else can we do it? What else can we do? We will do that. But they know that there are trials and tribulations and persecutions which is inevitable and the part and parcel of your ministry, part and parcel of your Christian life. People tell you today, today the gospel is very cheap gospel. You come to Jesus, you have no problem. You come to Jesus, all your financial problems are taken, taken care of. You keep swiping the card and God will keep filling your bank account. That's what they teach you. Come to the Lord. You know, your financial problems will be taken care. You come to the Lord, you will have no problem. You come to the Lord, you will be blessed. You know, most of the devotions that come, they come like all this, only this, this, this and all. But the Lord himself has taught us, you will have trials, you will have tribulations, you will have persecution, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Amen. I'm not saying your life will be all the time with difficulties. I mean, if your life has to be only in difficulties, is that what God called us for? God has called us for joy also, isn't it? 
that joy is different from the worldly joy. Huh? Rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice. That's not what the world will teach you. Because in the midst of storm, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of difficulties, in everything, you smile. Because why, you know, you have a joy that surpasses all understanding, that will rule and reign your hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen? That will rule and reign your hearts in Christ Jesus. There's an old time song when we were being new Christians. I never went to any Sunday school because I don't come from the background where you go to Sunday school. I come from a ba background where you go to catechism classes. So in the, uh, in the churches when we started, there was to be one song. With the Christ in the vessel, I will smile at the storm as we go sailing home. Sailing, sailing, sailing home. With Christ in the vessel, I will smile at the storm as we go sailing home. Storm, who said there's no storms? If there is a sea, there has to be a storm. If there's a sea, there has to be a wave. Huh? If there's a sea, there has to be a problem. How can you have a sea and no storm? The Christ in the vessel, I will style, smile at the storm as we go sailing home. Amen? <laughs> so they know that, you know, they need to preach the gospel. And they know that persecution is a part of life. And Jesus has cautioned them well in advance. So if this is the will of God that they need to preach the gospel and that persecution is inevitable, then they can't pray for any other thing. See, their prayer is of a good perspective. We don't look at it that way. We look at it and sometimes we wonder, why is it like that? Yeah, I would have gone and prayed, God, please let all these fellows die soon so that my ministry would continue properly. We don't want to face these kind of hurdles. These guys, you know, these are religious fellows. I don't know what kind of religion they have. They, they, they don't know, want to do anything about God. They don't want to do anything about, about that which the Lord Jesus has told. Lord, please get rid of them. But they know. See, if you know the word of God, then you will know how to pray. If you don't know the word of God, you will not know how to pray. It's, it's very important that we know the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't say, don't eat bread. If you don't eat bread, you'll die very fast. He didn't say, don't eat bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So if you know the word of God, then you will know the will of God. When you know the will of God, then you know how to pray in accordance with the will of God. So these fellows, they know how to pray. So they say, pray for, what are the things they can pray? Then they said, God, if this is what you said, and this is what we have to do, and there's no exemption from this. And there's no deliverance from this. We don't want to say anything. We want only to say this. God, give us the boldness. God, give us the boldness. Amen. Those that fear God, they will be as bold as lions. Those that fear God, they will do exploits. Your, your height may be only three and a half feet. I don't know how much, how, how, how tall was Zacchaeus, I don't know. But you know, when you're, you may be very short, but when, you, when the Lord is in you, you will be very big. Amen. Amen. The Lord, will, you will be very big. Give us the boldness to speak in his name, while God himself would stretch forth his hand to heal the sick, and the signs and wonders and mighty move of God will take place in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what they prayed. God, you do it for us. This. And I don't think mostly we pray that kind of a prayer. We always pray. Our prayers are only, you know, me and my family. Lord, I'm Jimmy and gimme. 
Lord, I pray for myself, my wife and two daughters, be four and no more. That's not the kind of prayer we pray. Here the prayer are kingdom-minded. They had a family. The Bible says Peter had a family. But yet they knew how to pray. Amen? And you know, when you, pay, when you pray the kingdom prayer, God must and should answer your prayer. Kingdom prayers will always be answered. You don't need to struggle for kingdom prayer. Kingdom prayers will always be answered. And when you, and the prayers are prayed in the will of God, God will always answer such prayers. And in response to their prayer, that place was shaken. When the place was shaken, what happened when the place was shaken? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means we know there is one baptism but many fillings. Every time. That time when Peter spoke, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Here when they prayed, everything, the, whole, the place where they were assembled, were shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened after they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They spoke the word of God with boldness. They got what they asked. And why? They asked in the will of God. They got what they asked because they asked in the will of God. They prayed for boldness, God gave them boldness. You know why I gave the title a prayer that brought another Pentecostal effect? Acts 2.1 When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the place where they were all sit- where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here you see, when they prayed together, the whole place shook. There was a shaking there and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And here they spoke with boldness. So that means, is another Pentecostal effect possible? Hello? Is another Pentecostal effect possible? It's always possible. If God can give them another Pentecostal effect, then God can give another, 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 and another as you keep on going on. Because when you pray in the will of God, and when you want to pray for God's boldness, when you want to pray that God would stretch forth His hand to heal, and that He will perform signs and wonders, then God will give us another Pentecostal effect. See, to be filled with the Holy Spirit means... It does not mean, you may think that they had more of him, but actual fact is he had more of you. You think that he has, you had more of him, but the actual truth is he has more of you. So that's what filled with the Holy Spirit means, that he has the more of you. Though you think that you have more of him, that's true. I mean, I'm finishing. He's having more of them. Totally surrendered to the will of God. Do you know the power of united prayer? My brother, my sister. Do you know the power of united prayers? Are you one of the active members of the corporative prayers of the church? For us to do the will of God as individuals and as a church, we need to be praying together. So that we may have a power-packed church. Will the people in the days to come, know us as a praying church and a power-packed church, then only you and I can impact the community. 
So today, I want to ask you, will you want to make another resolution in your life that you want to be a praying church and you want to be a praying individual? The Acts of the Apostles, the key in that is the day of Pentecost. And the ripples of Pentecost kept on moving wider and wider, even until now. And therefore, we saw those four points. Empowered to impact, empowered to pray, empowered to be united, and empowered to be in the will of God. Will you today purpose in your heart that you will be empowered to make an impact? You will be empowered to pray? That you will be empowered to be united always? See, in this church matter, whether you like a person or not, doesn't matter. Even that, that time we used to say, we had so many elders, sometimes we may not agree with each other, but we are in the same church. Don't you work in the same organization, you don't agree with another person, yet you exchange the files, yet you, yet you uh, transform the data, ideas, so that the company functions well, and that you do well. So that can happen in a company, which perishes along with the world, how much more it should be in the church which exists and will continue to exist forever and ever. Amen. We need to be united, empowered to pray in the will of God. May we determine that today in our lives. I'm, I've closed, but before doing that, I want to quickly pray. If you want to be a woman of prayer, a man of prayer, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you talk to the elders of the church, to the pastor and the elders, they'll help you. But if you want to be filled, get more into the thing of God. But if you want a breakthrough right now in your life, will you please stand up wherever you are? Will you please stand up wherever you are if you want to have a breakthrough in your life? Let me quickly pray for you. Let me quickly pray for you. <laughs> Let me quickly pray for you. Yes, my brother. Yes, my sister. Please. The, I mean, you're not standing for me. You're standing before the Lord. If you want to have a breakthrough, please stand up wherever you are. 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 Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, O oh God, we thank you, Father, for your word, O oh Father, that has found an abiding place in our hearts. And we thank you for these brothers and sisters. Father, they are standing, O oh Father, Lord, to make a decision with you, O oh Father, that they would want to impact, O oh Father, make an impact, O oh God. They want to, O oh God, be men and women of prayer. They want to be united, and they want to be men and women who will always pray in the will of God, O oh Master. Grant to them that which they have asked today, O oh Father. Lord, I pray that they may know within the spirit, even as they walk out today, O oh God, that they are not going empty, but they are going having received what they asked for in Jesus' name. Every power of darkness, evil and wickedness that hinders their progress, we renounce it in Jesus' name. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus and the fire of the Holy Spirit as I on them. And we ask all this in Jesus Christ, our Lord's most precious name. Amen. God's people said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. Church, were you blessed today? Yes. Then let's give a clap offering to the Lord. <laughs> clap like you really mean it. A clap offering to the Lord. I am not going to take more of our time. I'm just going to remind us that tomorrow we meet 
at 9 a.m. for the first part and 4 p.m. for the afternoon session. Now, please remember in the papers it may say workers meet, but we have also heard that every one of us is a worker in God's kingdom. So if we don't see some of you, it would indicate that you think that you're not a worker in God's kingdom. So we anticipate that this hall will be filled tomorrow morning, and it shall be filled tomorrow afternoon, and it shall be filled the rest of the week. Okay? Uh, when we exit, let's make sure that we move out uh, towards the back. Let's move out on this side. The other church has also got a big meeting today, so they are going to be rushing in. Uh, there may not be much space, so please move away from the church building uh, and then start fellowshipping with each other. Okay, don't stand near the doors, don't stand on the corridors, but let's please move away as much as possible before we can fellowship, okay? So let's just stand, thank God for, for this moment, let's thank God for this start of this week of mighty blessings, and let's just pray that we will truly be blessed with every person who's going to be here. So let's just uh, close our eyes and let's just thank God for this time. Let's thank God for the man of God who was used this day, who brought to us the power of the early church, the power of God in the early church, the power of prayer. You and I are empowered to impact, to pray, to be united in serving God. And the church grew and grew and grew. That's what the Bible tells us. God's told us what we should do. We were reminded by God's man today of what the church was like. The boldness to the people, you and I, let's pray for that boldness. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, Father, for this privilege we have had of gathering together to study from your word, Lord Father. We thank you for your servant whom you have used this day. We ask that you will continue to anoint him, Lord Father, that he will be a blessing to us and to many other people wherever he travels, Lord Father. We commit him and his family into your hands, Lord, and we ask that your presence will be with them. We thank you for every one of us who's gathered here, Lord Father. Very specially, we want to thank you for those who have traveled across the miles to join with us in celebrating you, God. Father God, we give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.